This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Bionic Woman, episodes three and four. How well did you really know Will? How sure are you that the only reason you became a Bionic candidate was because of the accident? Will didn't have any way of knowing you were going to slam that truck into me, okay? So your conspiracy theories don't have any way. How do you know I didn't just expedite things? How do you know you weren't being primed anyway? Used by a man looking for the next candidate to serve up. We're finished talking. I don't need you, Sarah. You need me. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast you deciphered from an encrypted flash drive. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? (laughs) Speaking of the flash drive, I know it's from the second episode. Did you notice how hard that guy jammed the flash drive into his computer? I didn't. (laughs) He put it in and then smacked it with his hand. I was like, there's no way that's good for the computer. You're going to wreck all those files. <laughs> he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. I don't think he is. You got to give it a light tap so it knows it's in there. It was not a light tap. It was like he punched it. <laughs> got to show it who's boss. <laughs> I guess. Oh, dear, Jordan. Well, we've got more Bionic Woman to get to this week. But uh, before we do, do you want to do something? I have two options for you, so you can uh, choose what you'd like to do. Two little segments or games or whatever you want to call it. The first one is something we've done before called Guess the Actor, which is I will give you some random roles of uh, the actor's careers, and you can see if you can figure out who did what. Of course. Or a little thing. I haven't really come up with a good title now, but I'm calling it Bionic or Robot, Best of the Best. (laughs) It's not very good. But basically what it is, it's like a bracket. I've looked up all of the robots slash android slash people with robotic parts we've had in past shows, and I'm going to go through them, and you pick who is better on based on whatever categories you'd like. I mean, it's been a while since we've done a robot bracket, so let's do Bionic or Robot, best of the best. <laughs> All right, great. I think there's about 13 of these that have shown up. I picked one from each series. Even if there was two robots in a series, I had to pick one, you know, one's got to go. You've got 13. How's this bracket going to work? I'm just going to do one or the other. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really a bracket. It's one or the other. Okay, who's better? Detective John Kennex from Almost Human, because he had a little robotic leg. Oh, yeah. Or Rex from Badlands 2005. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with Rex because I love when he was just a robot skeleton. Right. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Moving on. Rex or Quester from the Quester tapes. I still love the visualization of Rex probably more than Quester, but Quester was probably a more competent robot. Talking about competence, Quester or Lieutenant Winger from Tech War. Remember he had a funny forehead? <laughs> he was a by-the-book robot. You know what? I'm going to give to Lieutenant Winger. I thought he was more interesting than Quester. So, Lieutenant Winger, or this character who I ha- it took me forever to find out their actual name, Lieutenant Winger from Tech War, or Shell from Earth Star Voyager. He's the knockoff Borg character. Oh, yeah. I am going to stick with Lieutenant Winger. He's going to move forward. I'm going to tell you right now, though, Jordan, I realize in the back of my mind who the best robot we've ever had is, so uh, I already kind of know where this bracket ends, potentially. <laughs> well, we'll see if we get there. Moving on. Lieutenant Winger from Tech War, or... 
K9000 from K9000. Stuck in a dog oh. there. Oh, K9000 is really bad, but I do like a dog. So let's go with the robot dog. Okay. And I think this is probably the dark horse in this. K9000 or Andy from Quark. It's Andy from Quark, baby, all the way yeah. to the top. I love that depressed robot. Well, let's see. Andy from Quark or Zed from Earth 2, the universal soldier knockoff. Oh, yeah. Andy. Andy. Andy from Quark or Eve Edison from Man and Machine. Still going to be Andy. Sorry, Eve. Get out of here. Andy or Doc from Space Rangers. And remember, he also had a robotic ear. <laughs> <laughs> I do recall it. was very robotic. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, he was a jerk, but I, uh, kind of a... Uh, Sometimes adorable jerk, but still Andy. Andy's going to trump him every time. All right. Andy or I just had to pick one of them. So I picked the football player robot from Westworld. (laughs) (laughs) There was so many of them. There was a rock and roll guy. There was a politician. You know what? This was the one place that Andy might have lost, but only if you had made it the time they replaced the uh, female main character as a oh. cheerleader and then threw her off the side of the rose, building her <laughs> chest exploded and she had a minute of tape. But you went with football robot, so Andy keeps going. So, Andy from Cork or Max from America 2100? <laughs> Max, oh yeah. Uh, it's still Andy, though. It's Andy from Cork or the final round, you know her, you love her. Jamie Summers from Bionic Woman. Get out of here with Jamie Summers. It's Andy to the top. All right. So the final, the ultimate robot in all of the three years is Andy, the somewhat suicidal, depressed robot from Cork. You know what? That when we started this midway through, I realized I'm like, oh, you know who I've loved the most? Andy. He's my favorite character. Yeah, you really do. Do you think it's you relate to Andy? Yeah, I think me and Andy have a lot in common. I don't know who I'd, I'd relate to any of these robots. Maybe um, maybe football player robot from Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're I think you might be more of a doc. More of a doc, huh? A doc man. Giving my ear to deaf children and somehow that works. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan. Shall we get into this week's episodes? Yeah. Here is the IMDB summary for episode three Sisterhood. Jamie continues training with Jay, as well as adjusting her bionic parts with Nathan's help. Then Jonas sends Jamie on a new mission to protect Heaven Von Fleet, the neglected and spoiled daughter of a wealthy Canadian arms contractor. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the basically it. I cut out like seven sentences, but that's the core of it. That's still probably more interesting than the show. So we open up with Jamie Summers and her sister Becca having another subplot. Well, it's not really another subplot. It's the same subplot kind of rearranged a little bit. I mean, that is what we've learned is there's only one subplot for the two of them that they get to have every episode. Uh, This time around, they're having a sister's lunch and uh, she keeps getting interrupted by work. There's an interesting thing here and I didn't understand and maybe you can explain it to me. So the whole point is she's trying to have a conversation with her sister. It's always about honesty and can are they going to live together and blah, blah, blah. It's not interesting at all. And while they're talking, Jonas keeps calling to kind of get her to do work. And what she really needs to do is they want her to watch a guy who's, I don't know, a terrorist or something. She, they want her to kind of keep her eye on him, literally her buy on a guy. And so what she does is she's like, tells her sister to go buy jeans. Thousand dollar jeans. Yeah. But what I didn't understand is she's like, so you're going to go shopping and she's supposed to just sit there the whole time. Is that what people do? They go to lunch together. One goes off shopping. The other one continues eating lunch. 
I mean, it was a weird way of sending her sister off, but it got her sister what she wanted, which was $1,000 jeans. And Yeah, but it's not like, I'll pick you up at the mall later. It's like, I'm going to continue eating here my 18-course meal, and you come back with your expensive jeans. Well, it's just because Jamie was called by Jonas, and her job was, there's a guy across the street buying a falafel. Can you just keep an eye on him for like 20 minutes? Yeah, and she can't really do it. That was the best part, is she immediately loses track of him, finds him in a car, knocks on his window, even though she's supposed to be undercover, and then he's just like, hello? And she's just like, will you wait here till a SWAT team gets here? He's like, what? So she just punches him in the face. Yeah. Oh, Jamie. Yeah, she goes by her own rules, you know? Um, But back to this kind of sister subplot, yes. Like, this is kind of all about, like, family this episode. Like, she's trying to keep her family together, so it's them having lunch together so they can keep their sister bond, and then... We later see Sister Becca's been digitizing old family photos um, so that they can, like, look at their great-grandmother who, for some reason, we learn from Becca, the youngest child, that had it was diagnosed with a fatal genetic disor- disorder at 25. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know. It's just none of this lands at all. Like, none of it. I still don't feel like these two characters are even remotely sisters. Well, it's so weird, too, because she's like... Our great-grandmother had this genetic disorder at 25, and you're 24. And I'm like, so are we supposed to think she's going to have a genetic disorder soon? Or is this just supposed to relate to the fact that she has bionics? And then the whole thing is like, she was going to die in a year. It's like, but she lived to 92, so it was okay. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a perfect example of what a lot of scenes in this show are like. Not just in this episode, but in the next episode and the previous ones we watched where characters give information that I think is supposed to color the character and make them more three-dimensional. But it's just like things are like, oh, he really loves sandwiches. And they go, yep. And then they move on. You go, why? Why did I learn this? And there's no reason. It doesn't matter at all. And I will point out, this is what they just can't stop themselves from doing, is they spent so much time over-layering characters in the pilot. But now what? We're in episode three. Becca's sister is digitizing photos onto a computer in front of her sister, even though in episode one, banned from using computers for maybe <laughs> being a hacker. That's true. I forgot about that. Well, let's think. We've all forgotten about it. But like, even the writers are just like, we set up a huge thing that we didn't know what to do with. Uh, pretend it never happened, I guess. But all the dialogue is so wooden and expository. And the cast seem like they're all sort of remote. They've just showed up. This is the like read through. It's just it, nothing works. And I'm starting to think, the lead actress is terrible, right? I don't know. I mean, nothing is good in this show. Like, there's literally a scene with Jonas, I think it's next episode, that has nothing to do with the plot. It happens right at the start, and you're like, oh, where's this going? But it doesn't go anywhere. It's literally like 30 seconds as if they didn't have enough plot to the episode where Jonas is taking a polygraph. Oh, yeah. Fun, <laughs> and he passes by lying. And the Treadwell, the psychologist, is just like, how did you pass the polygraph test? He's just like, I've been married, so I know how to lie. And I'm like, what? And it never comes back up, not associated with anything. It's just like, what is this show? It's a bad enough joke, sort of that like, my wife, can you believe her? What a battle axe. That's bad enough as it is, but it's not like later on, he uses his lying to get out of a situation. You're like, well, I guess they seeded it, even if clumsily. But it's like, no, it's just, just a scene. Will never come up again. <laughs> it's never come up again. And that's the thing. The main thing to take away from the show is they don't do that once. They don't do it twice. They don't do it five times. They do it nonstop through the show. Every character has scenes that you could take away and doesn't matter. doesn't matter to the show at all. Yeah. And I mean, we'll come back probably to this whole like weird sister subplot. It's like, 
Jamie's like feels bad about her hard job that keeps her away from her sister, but she needs to keep her family together. That's kind of like the subplot context. Um, meanwhile, though, Sarah Corvus is in this episode and she's, I guess, hanging out with that Anthony Anthros guy who they broke out of prison. And now the guy who broke them out is, I guess, off the show. <laughs> I'm going to say it now. I hate Sarah as a villain in the show. And it has actually very little to do with the character and more to do it. They don't know what to do with the character and they don't know. Is she bad? Is she not bad? She has like 85 motivations. And it's just like, bring her back like episodes from now. I don't need her in every episode to show up and be like, hey, I'm I'm a bionic woman too. It's like, go away. No one cares. Yeah. Well, in this particular plot, Anthros, who was her, I guess her original creator, he's he's using his Blackberry to diagnose her bionics. Yeah, that's right. And what, so what's happening? Her bionics need an upgrade because they're breaking down. Now, is it that they purposely made the bionic women break down over time or it's just they were never intended to go that long or because she hasn't had upgrades? Does it matter? It's just she's breaking down. I think the yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to tell the idea is like the bionic technology sucks because like <laughs> what it yeah. says on the Blackberry is it says life expectancy erosion at 80%. I'm just like, what does that mean? Yeah, that's a bad panel to scroll through and see your thing. You're like, uh oh. What I like though is he's looking at that Blackberry at this thing, telling her, telling him, I guess, that her life is dwindling because of the bionics, and he can see that. And all Anthos can say is just like, can you believe people text message instead of talk these days? It's gross. There's no reason for that line. It's just like, uh, okay, yeah, agree. It's just such a weird thing. It really dates the show too. Like, where it's just like, could you believe people text message? I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you're basically right. She's going to die for some reason because of her bionic implants. And Anthro's his idea is, if you bring Jamie to me, I can evaluate, I guess, her upgraded bionics and see if maybe there's a cure in what her bionics are. What I like is, though, it's adding another motivation for Sarah. And they don't need it. So, like, Sarah sort of wants vengeance against, uh, what's it called, Wolf Creek? Yep. She also sort of has a weird love-hate relationship with her ex-boyfriend who shot her and theoretically killed her. Yeah. She also, for some reason, has a bone to pick with Jamie just because she's a bionic woman. Now she also needs to capture her to get her bionics. And she, like, might be kind of friends with her or at least uh, sympathetic to Jamie's plight of a bionic woman. At the same time, they want her to be this big villain. And let's not forget, like, she literally killed jamie's baby and her <laughs> boyfriend no it's sort of like not a big we can thing i'll literally forget that they have they've just forgot it too but it's like it's not really a thing it doesn't really matter i would have a bone to pick with a person i think it briefly came up in this episode or maybe one of the previous ones where jamie's just like you killed my baby but she doesn't seem actually that upset about it no she's like eh, actually it kind of worked out for the best <laughs> um at wolf creek jamie is uh, finding out that uh, part of her bionics is that they've put a gps tracker in her head and uh, i guess there's a video feed coming out of her eyeball so they can like track her and keep tabs on her and she's mad about that because i guess that's the central thesis conflict of this is it's probably bad that they're watching her all the time, but they can never land the conflict they're trying to get across. Do you think that's what they're trying to do, this, like, free will sort of theme? Is that what you think that was? Because if that's the case, I didn't get it. It's not even a free will thing. I think at some point Sarah says something that I think was the closest they came to landing what their thesis was, but that's the thing is they can never thread their thesis properly. So, like, sometimes a character will will just say things and hope you find your way to it, but it seemed to be something about their theme. This thesis was, isn't it? 
bad that like this big organization like the government wants to track and monitor a woman's body like i think that is the concept they're trying to go for but they never are able to land it properly or explain what they're trying to say so like there's just like this subtext conflict of like isn't surveillance bad maybe but maybe not but they don't commit to that like you never well, really the they never really land on is the organization good or bad or are their actions justified or even is sarah good or bad like i think because they want to play in these sort of shades in gray and they want to they think they're being nuanced it really instead comes across as sort of lazy because they don't really seem to make any choices they're just like we're just going to leave it murky and it's like yeah but it just is murky and the thing is, none of what happens in the plot or with the characters reflects that theme. It's just that, like, occasionally someone will just say out loud what they're hoping is what they're like. Someone will just be like, I don't like surveillance. Isn't surveillance useful? Like, but it has nothing to do with the plot itself te- necessarily. Like, it doesn't it, none of it, like, dovetails together, basically. Yeah. Anyway, Jamie gets a new assignment. She's going to babysit the daughter of a Canadian defense contractor, Heaven Von Fleet. It's the worst name. Heaven Von Fleet. Like, I know what they're going for. They're going for, like, she's a rich brat. Doesn't she have a hilarious name? But it's just like, no one's naming their kid Heaven Von Fleet. Well, and it's the thing, too. It's just like, are you trying to be a campy fun show? Because the rest of you is just, like, the most dour series. Well, you're right. Because the whole point of this is sort of like, can you believe she has to babysit this rich kind of spoiled brat but again they don't really lean into it so they do a little bit like they go get their nails done for some reason and she's kind of mean to the girl who does her nails but it doesn't really matter or nothing changes and then the other scenes are like terrorism you're like does this all work together well it is kind of like what we saw in the second episode is there's this kind of mission of the week babysit this rich spoiled daughter but it is relegated to maybe 10 minutes of screen time it's like a c plot yeah, so the rest of it is just, like, a bunch of random collections of other scenes that don't really have a strong, like, motivation or plot point. So your core plot is relegated to the smallest role, and then it's just sort of filled in around it with, like, stuff that isn't a plot necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're worried about her because her father has these Serbians mad at him for selling weapons to the Bosnians. So they're worried the Serbs will attack her. How timely. I don't even know if it was at the time. No, not really. And Sarah Corvus, to tie into that, like, sister, I guess this is the A-plot, like, aren't sisters great? She's been spying on Jamie, and most of the time Sarah's spying on Jamie and thinking about kidnapping her. What she gets to see is Jamie and Becca hanging out, and she just gets to remember flashbacks to her having good times with her own sister, Sarah's own sister. And those flashbacks are the two of them drunk driving together. Well, there's a couple things I'm going to mention. The first being, I hate seeing characters dancing alone in apartments. I'm going to put out the argument that no one in the history of the world has danced in the apartment by themselves. At least not to the extent that TV has people dancing by themselves. The second thing is, Jamie works as a bartender part-time. Up to this point, I don't know if she's got paid by Wolf Creek. Her apartment is so big. It's like the size of an entire floor of a building. That, like, she could have an entire dance troupe dancing in her apartment. That's my second point. My third point is <laughs> Sarah has flashbacks while she's watching the- these girls dance in their apartment like no one does. She keeps having flashbacks, as you said, to them drunk driving. But apparently the only way to make a bionic woman is to have them sideswiped by a car. Because that's what we see is Sarah was also in the exact same car accident that caused her to become the bionic woman. Shot exactly the same. Yeah. 
it's the exact it's like it's all the exact same car accident stunt from the first episode which i was just like you guys suck that's what it is they're like oh we spent the money on the stunt so let's just use it twice the only thing that would have saved it is for some reason jamie gets out of the car and you're like what she caused the car accident <laughs> and i'd be like oh it's even more convoluted but they didn't it's just like it just happens to be that's how you become a bionic woman you, you get sideswiped by a truck yep that's how it works um and after Sarah watches them dance around their apartment having a sister bonding, she, she breaks into Jamie's home and stands <laughs> over her bed as she sleeps. And we go into Jamie's dreams where we're seeing a dream or a flashback to a, to a scene that never happened, to a scene that looks like it was shot for maybe the pilot that got cut out in which... Sarah explains to Jamie they have a psychic link together because of their bionics and we can psychically talk to each other, which causes Jamie to wake up and see Sarah standing over her bed. And Sarah says, hey, we should have a conversation, but not right now. I'm going to let's make a meeting to talk tomorrow. We'll meet at the docks. I know I'm here right now in front of you, but like, uh, let's, let's do it tomorrow because Wolf Creek's going to show up and try to arrest me, which they will do tomorrow as well. But let's just, like, delay this conversation a day so this can, like, go a little longer. It is funny. It's one of those things where it's like, was the reason you had to have the conversation later because you both need to put on your leather jackets? Why? Why? Just talk right now. Yeah. Well, you went all the way into break into an apartment. And also, to imply there's a psychic connection to them to never use again for this episode, to what end? I don't know why they're so desperate to have Sarah involved. Like, because they, they want this sort of, like, cracked mirror version of jamie but it doesn't work at all and it you don't learn anything so now we're three episodes in i don't know anything about sarah other than she has all these past memories i guess but like who cares yeah i mean it is a it's a, it's a real question anyway jamie starts that babysitting gig of heaven von fleet <laughs> yeah a very provocatively dressed teenage brat i suppose yeah takes her shopping and while they're shopping, Jamie's already bored. So she calls up her good friend at Wolf Creek, that creepy technician who tried to hug her the other episode. Yeah. And that conversation goes, hey, I'm on this stupid mission. How are you doing? And Tech goes, oh, thanks for calling me. But what am I? One of your girlfriends? Should I put on a dress? You should go on a date with me. He just gets like super incel angry immediately. And Jamie's like, this is inappropriate. And she just hangs up the phone. I'm like, what why did you call him every time they have a, a scene and i think they have one later on it's this weird like sort of weirdly combative relationship that they it doesn't make any sense and i don't again there's so much of this you left thinking why why am i watching this what does this matter well that's it the only time we see this tech beforehand was him making a pass at her for a hug which was weird and kind of creepy now he literally goes on an angry rant about her not going on a date with him and like talking about how he's, he's one of his like he's being friend zoned and in the next episode she will go hang out with him again perfectly no problem they have a perfectly cordial relationship they're joking they're having a fun time i'm just like nobody would come talk to this guy like you've yeah. set him up as such a creep but you keep having this weird thing where it's just like oh jamie likes him well i think he's supposed to be kind of a funny character but it doesn't work I, they're not writing him as funny they're writing no. him as aggressively like sexual <laughs> Anyways, while she's on the phone, she loses old uh, Heaven Von Fleet, of course, because Jamie can't do even one thing. I don't know why she's on these teams. She's terrible. It doesn't matter, though, because all she does is walk outside, use her bionic hearing to hear that Heaven is in a tattoo parlor. 
They don't really need to explain how all this stuff works, but they need to at least give a gist of how it works because I still don't know how she pinpoints noises. She just does, I guess. She just does. And that's the thing. She doesn't even pinpoint the sound of Heaven's voice. I think it was also, didn't she just hear a tattoo machine? Yeah, and she just knew. (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I guess her dad warned her, don't let her get a tattoo. But I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, We Let's go back to uh, what's going on. Because after this tattoo incident, Jamie remembers she booked that meeting with Sarah at the docks. (laughs) Yeah. So, so uh, what I like though is this little subplot is literally just a time waster before she could have the conversation that she could have had the previous scene. Well, that's the thing. And like, she's on a babysitting mission. So what does she do? She takes Heaven Von Fleet to the secret Wolf Creek facility and says, hey, Treadwell, the psychologist, can you just like babysit her for me for a couple hours? I got to go take this meeting with old Sarah Corvus, who's our enemy, remember? And they're like, no problem. I'll look after her. I think the point of this scene is... They're trying to have some sort of idea or moral or argument here because um, what's her name? The the lady haircut lady? Treadwell. Treadwell. She sort of interrogates her or sort of does some sort of psychological training on her. Maybe kind of, but I don't know what the point of it was. On Heaven Von Fleet? Yeah. No, that was just a comedy scene where they're like, oh, you have a bad relationship with your parents. Eh? I wonder what that means. Like, it was just a thing to, like, show that. That's what I think, though. I think the whole point was, because later on, I think it's supposed to be that she's, like, reformed herself in some way, but they don't spend any time on it. I think that was the point, that she's had this conversation with this uh, well-put-together business lady who has convinced her, but they don't actually show that. Yeah, and I don't. I, I agree. At the end of the episode, we're supposed to be like, oh, Heaven is reformed now and she's a good girl. I assumed it was just because she hung out with Jamie. I thought that's what they were trying to say. Either argument could be true because it doesn't matter and it, it has no, it doesn't no implications on the plot. We have a brief scene where Jamie goes to a meeting with Sarah. They have a very similar conversation about how you have to help me, Jamie. My emotions are degrading because I have bionics and I might die. And then... Like, Wolf Creek sends a SWAT team in, and I guess they promised they wouldn't, but whatever. So they never finish the conversation. Jamie or Sarah just has to jump off a dock and run away. So we've once again delayed the conversation they're going to have for another scene. Yeah. And Jamie just goes back to Wolf Creek, picks up Heaven, and says, let's continue babysitting. How about we get our nails done? Yeah. (laughs) Go to the nail salon, in walks Sarah Corvus to continue a conversation they've tried to have for three straight (laughs) scenes. Yeah, but again... Each scene is they they kind of play this like, do they like each other or don't they? And it just doesn't work. I maybe I'm focusing on it too much, but like she literally has killed her baby and her boyfriend, and now it's like, hey, isn't it funny that I make like witty conversations with you while getting my nails done, and we're so much the same? It's like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, there's an idea that they like have more in common than they don't because they both had like these bionics forced on them, and like. Everyone's trying their best to get it across, but it's mo- but like it's a thing where it doesn't show emotionally or anything. It's just characters say what they want us to believe, but we just have no reason to believe. Like, we just have to take their word for it. But even to the theme you were saying, if there's an idea here um, or underlying theme of control of the state or control of a woman's body, that could be something that these two characters bond over, but they don't really. No, they kind of, like someone will just make a statement and the other one will be like, interesting but not agree (laughs) or disagree it's more just like hmm is this where sarah shows jamie how to like get rid of the tracker by 
disabling it with her thoughts. Well, no, Jordan. The Serbians come first. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The Serbs come in with guns and Jamie starts fighting them. She's like, I need help. And then uh, Sarah's like, well, you didn't ask me for help. Boo-hoo. I guess I won't help you. And I was like, oh, stupid. But then she helps. <laughs> then she helps. So it doesn't matter. It's just time wasting. All that like lead up to being like the Serbians are after her father. They walk into the nail salon. They get beat up in less than 30 seconds. End of that. <laughs> yeah, because it's a C-plot that doesn't work. So they're just like, all right, done with that now. But that's, I think, what your point is, is, like, they fought together, so now they're better friends, I guess, even though Sarah made Jamie beg for help. You're right. Sarah. Sarah's just like, oh, you haven't figured out how to turn off the tracking in your head? It's simple. Just hack yourself. Yeah, but she does say, yes, you, you have to disable it with your thoughts. Yes, you, you have to focus on what's in your brain and just turn it off. It works. Her nose starts to bleed. She's figured out how to turn off the tracking on her. Which is the best scene of this show, is when she turns off that track and her nose starts to bleed. They're with Heaven Von Fleet still, because that was just they mm-hmm. just finished the fight the nail salon. And Heaven Von Fleet looks at uh, Jamie with the nosebleed and she says, why is your nose bleeding? And then evil bionic woman Sarah turns to her and says, why don't you go hang yourself? <laughs> that is good. I was just like, what a reaction to that question. <laughs> That's like something I would say if I was really grumpy in line or something. Yeah, it's just like the most innocent question <laughs> yeah. followed by kill yourself. <laughs> anyway, basically Sarah here is just like, Jamie, you need to come with me to see Anthros so we can study your bionics and it might save my life. And Jamie says, I don't want to go see that Anthros character. Why don't you come to Wolf Creek and then we'll look at you and we'll see if we can cure you. And she's like, well, I don't want to go to Wolf Creek. I guess we'll ne- neither of us will do anything. Well, there's that episode. Well, that's only sort of true because they decide they need one last tag on at the end, which is insane. Like, it feels like the episode is done now. But then Sarah goes to see Anthros and says, Oh, that's right. I forgot. Jamie won't come to visit me. And Anthros is like, well, you know what you should do? You should make sure that Jamie sees the world from your point of view. Go murder her sister. <laughs> <laughs> which... Yep. That feels like the tag to the episode, like, uh uh-oh, the next few episodes, Becca's in trouble. But no, because we're going to wrap up the idea that Sarah's going to kill Becca, still this episode, with three minutes left. Because cut to Sarah's house, or to Jamie's house, Jamie walks in after work, Sarah is chilling with Becca, and Becca's like, hey, this Sarah lady just moved in down the hall, and then passes out because I guess Sarah drugged her food? Yeah. And then Jamie's and Sarah tells Jamie, I'm going to kill your sister now unless you come to Anthros with me and cure me. Jamie gives a big speech about like the power of love and not letting hate take over you, which is all a distraction for her nose to start bleeding because she turns back on her bionic so Wolf Creek can come save her. And then Sarah runs away. And I guess the threat to Becca is over. Yeah. I mean, it would be better if she actually killed her. Like, that's just, she's just, like, so evil. But they just don't want to do that, so there's no point to any of it. It's not even, like, a C-plot. It's it's, it's a tag at the end. It's the show. It's like a tag in the show. It's like, last five minutes are like, you should kill Beck. And I'm just like, okay, this is going to be the conflict for the next episode. No, 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 no. We're going to wrap up this conflict in the next 30 seconds, basically. Yeah. And Sarah just runs away. And then the, what blew my mind is... This, you know, this episode is wrapped up. They literally did not want to leave a single dangling thread. They've wrapped up every thread. They're not even going to leave that, like, is Beck in trouble thread alive. Episode ends with to be continued. Did it really? I don't remember that. Yeah. Big, 
black headline to be continued. Next episode does not continue this plot. <laughs> I don't remember the to be continued. That's funny. I was just like, I'm like, to be continued. I'm like, what's going to be continued? You guys wrapped it up pretty succinctly. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll find out next episode. Unrelated next episode. Well, that's a good segue to the next episode, Face Off. Here is the IND summary. You owe me $27,269.31 for the total. How'd you find out about that? Your bionics represent the most advanced form of biotechnology known to man. It was developed to protect the human race, not spy on your delinquent sister. You know, I find your whole proprietary attitude about my body to be deeply inappropriate. Jamie is sent on an assignment with Antonio that requires her to rescue Mark Stevens, American doctor working in Paraguay, and is held hostage by radical rebels. Mm-hmm. Radical rebels, dude. <laughs> um, so, once again, uh, we start off with a weird cold open involving Jamie and her sister. Jamie's running down an alley really fast. She's using her, her bionic eye to like look at stuff and figure something out. And you're like, oh, she must be on a mission. This wouldn't be just some sort of gag. And she's running and she's jumping. By the way, none of the wire work looks great in this show. And I know that's maybe not fair, but they have to always have her jump really high, but she's clearly on a wire. It just She just moves like that. And the whole point is she's so aggressive and she's so uh, focused because uh, her sister is in a back of a car making out with a guy. Yeah, that's the big reveal. She throws up the door. He's like, don't make out with a boy. Yeah. That's it. We get a, 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 a real inconsequential scene where you kind of alluded to it in the in the, the talking about the previous episode. While she's running after her sister, she breaks her toe. And so she has to go get her toe looked at. And so she has a weird scene with that guy again. And it's like, why? Yeah, I don't know. Her and Creepy Tech are on great terms this episode after what was the craziest blow up of the last episode. Whatever, yeah. who cares? Her toe's fixed too. The only point of it is that she they kind of have this like, it's supposed to be like witty repartee between them. And she's like, you don't have like a foot fetish, do you? And he's like, no, I'm a simple boob man. She's like, ha 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 ha. And then that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's like, okay. It's actually, what was the show we watched that had this same sort of kind of gross, like sort of weirdly negative sexual jokes? Was it, it wasn't almost human, was it? Or was it Threshold? Uh, mm. I'm not sure. No, it was Threshold. Remember they were always making jokes about her? Oh, that's right, because she was a she was a boss, but she was also a lady. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite as much on this show, but there's there's similar shades of it in this, where there's always like, they always kind of have to make some sort of sexual comment, just in case you forget that she's a woman. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Anyway, let, we'll keep going. Jamie gets a new assignment this episode. She's going to go to Paraguay with her handler, Antonio, and they're going to run a rescue mission that the... U.S. government can't legally do because there would be intervening in another country. So, you know, it's, it's so weird. It's just like, isn't it good they're doing these uh, extra governmental uh, attacks on other countries? I'm like, is it? Is it good? <laughs> but did you catch what the terrorist group's name is? Yes, the Sons of the Red Sand. That's the best thing of anything in these two episodes is the name of that group. It is the most creative thought they've had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have captured an American doctor and they're They've sent a video to the U.S. holding him hostage, that classic, like, mid-2000s terrorist video where it's like the terrorist is reading a prepared statement. They're standing next to him with a machete, swearing they'll chop off his head in 24 hours unless the CAA admits that he's one of their agents, which apparently he is. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just like, okay, so these terrorists literally did catch a CIA agent trying to infiltrate their group. Weird. 
But that's just like, okay, that's the plot. But now you wanted more time with the two sisters, right? Well, and that's the sub, that's the, that's the important sister plot of this episode is Jamie has to lie about going to Paraguay. So she says, I'm going to Napa with a friend as her cover, which is to seed the core sister plot of this episode, which is Jamie once again lies to her sister, is immediately caught in the lie when she leaves because that friend drops by to return a pair of boots. And Becca's just like, aren't you supposed to be in Napa? And she's just like, what? You think you would at least uh, uh, call that friend and go, look, I've got something. Can you cover for me? But you're missing something very important, Luke. The scene uh, that we start this is Jamie's making breakfast for her sister to try to be like another bonding moment. And it's like, oh, she doesn't know how to do stuff. And at one point they have like a little like friendly argument. And uh, what's the sister's name? Becca? Yeah, Becca. Becca says, did you catch the line that has not aged well in any way? Oh, yeah, I blocked it out. So Jamie says something to Becca and then Becca says, and remember, what year is this, 2007? She responds, do you think I'm retarded? And we all just gloss over it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not not aging well for sure. No, no. Uh, I mean, also in that scene, what I liked is uh, Jamie burns some eggs. But the eggs literally like burst Light into on fire. flames like eggs never do. <laughs> I know. I wrote the same thing. I said, how would eggs catch fire like that? Anyway, the, the point of this is Jamie once again lies to her sister. Once again is immediately caught in the lie. And it wrap, I'm just going to wrap up what the subplot is, is. She comes home. Her sister is mad at her for lying. So Jamie apologizes but provides no explanation. And that ends the conflict. So, yeah, because her sister goes at some point, she's like, are you having an affair or something? And Jamie's like, no. I just can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, I just can't talk about it. And she, she's just like, well, I don't like it, but okay, let's be friends again. And it's just like, we can't keep having the same fight and resolving it the same way every episode. But it's, So it, it has been every episode, every episode. And it's going to continue to be. I thought for sure this time she was finally going to come clean so we could get past it. But they're just, it's just going to drag to another episode. And I actually, I feel bad for the actress playing uh, the sister part because she almost never leaves the apartment and all of her, that's all she gets to do is have a scene where she goes, why is someone lying to me? And they have to find her doing something else in the apartment. One time she's reading, now she's on the computer, now she's eating, but she just can't leave the apartment except that one time they go to lunch. Or the time she did that country western skit. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Anyway, well, Jamie goes to Paraguay. We also have a subplot with Sarah Corvus, which just is like the epitome of what's wrong with this show is we see Sarah Corvus playing poker. Wolf Creek walks in, captures her without incident. A thing that has been the thing they couldn't do for three straight episodes (laughs) is catch her in the first two minutes of this episode. Oh, there's Sarah. You're under arrest. Oh, I guess you caught me. They drag her back to Wolf Creek where they where they do the thing she wanted last episode is to like have someone inspect her bionics they say hey your life expectancy is eroding but if you tell us what happened to that guy who broke out of prison anthros will fix you yeah except it comes turns out that jonas is kind of lying about their ability to fix sarah like he doesn't know if he can fix her because the answer might be on a flash drive in paraguay that jamie's gonna go get yeah, and there's this connection that doesn't really work, nor is it clear to the viewer. I, I was like, at the end, I was like, that's what the point was? That's why they had it? Like, they want to connect these two plot lines, but they don't connect in any way. Well, what I loved about it, too, is they're like, maybe we don't know if we can fix her. We're kind of lying to her to get Anthros, or maybe we're not. 
Also, by the way, that flash drive they're going to retrieve from Paraguay, the now three episodes dead character, William Anthros, is now being written as maybe he was also a double agent who gave away this flash drive to... We're not sure who, because it wasn't the terrorists. They accidentally got the flash drive. Yeah. But maybe he was like, why did you write this character off the show? And then you continually go back to him and change his motivations now. (laughs) Well, it's funny. When they mentioned his name, it took me a minute to remember who he was. They're like, so maybe Will wasn't a good guy. I'm like, who's Will? I'm like, oh, the character you killed off in the first episode? Why are we talking about him? I know. Exactly right. Anyway, the rest of the Sarah subplot is she finds out that they probably are lying to her about fixing her in exchange for Anthros's location. So she just simply and easily breaks out of captivity and walks out of Wolf Creek without problem. They get her for a moment just so they can have this conversation that could have been handled a million different ways in the previous episodes. And then they go, well, we don't want her to be caught. So she's out again. The subplot is not just pointless, it undercuts the integrity of this entire show, which has almost no integrity as it is, but it's just like the idea that a person you've set up as impossible to catch and a secret organization that should be like impossible to get inside of or out of in this episode is just like, she's, it's no problem catching her. You can pick her up anytime you want. And also she can basically walk out like it's a revolving door. It's just like, there's no integrity on this show of, of like what is true. To be fair, when Jamie first joined the organization, she also just waltzed in with no problem. I know. It's just like Wolf Creek seems like a clown show. So like I, it's like, I, don't, <laughs> I just don't have like it's they set it up. It's like, oh, it's such a nefarious place. I'm just like, no, it's not. It sucks. It like they can't do anything. And then Sarah was set up as like this like super ultra baddie who like can't be captured. Oh, oh no, wait, actually, you can capture her relatively easily anytime you want. On to other stupid plots. We have Jamie and Pope going to Paraguay to rescue this guy. What did you call him? Pope. Is that his last name? I only know him as Antonio. <laughs> Antonio Pope, yeah. Oh, that's a good name, actually. I have to always choose what do I like better, the first or last name. I thought Pope is easier. Pope is pretty good. I like that. Maybe I'll go with Pope, too, then. Um, yes. They go to Paraguay. Some cop tells them where the terrorists are. They break into the terrorist base by Jamie using her bionics to bend a big fan. This is going to be a thing later on, though, because what they imply is like the fan. It's it, it looks like they're breaking it to the Jerry Springer set, by the way, um, <laughs> and uh, just for any Jerry Springer fans out there. But there's a gigantic fan and she uh, she stops it with her hand, seemingly like breaking the motor because she's, yeah, you know, she, she grabs the it. motion. Yeah, she grabs it. She stops it and then she bends it so they can walk past it. Yeah, right. Luke, explain this to me. The whole point is they secretly break it and they get, you know, let's say a third of the way. And then Pope purposely, Antonio Pope, he purposely sets off the like laser detectors, uh, motion detectors, so that the bad guys come. And he's like, it's easier this way. But I was like, why didn't they just get caught earlier? Like, I don't understand what his plan was or why that's better than sneaking in if they could clearly could sneak in. And that's the point of having Jamie there, isn't it? I don't know. Like, this is the idea. Whatever his plan was, it was to get captured because basically when they capture them, they just take them right to the prisoner because they're like, we'll take you to where we keep prisoners. I guess in some ways that makes sense. But they do this whole setup where they have to break in. And then once they're in, they just purposely get themselves caught. And it did seem like I'm like, isn't there another like it would seem so convoluted for this to be the well point. and also why not tell jamie there's no reason he wouldn't have told her other than her to be like i can't trust you but like there's no if that his plan is he should be like look we're gonna get in so we can get caught so we can get near the guy and she'd be like all right yeah 
Anyway, uh, terrorists bring them to the doctor who they've captured. Jamie, once they're with him, Jamie just beats up all the terrorists. Yeah. Because they're there. Um, the terrorist had this doctor trying, they had him trying to decode the contents of a flash drive, which I was just like, what kind of doctor is he? And it turns out a medical doctor. So how he decodes stuff, I guess, cause he's a CIA guy. He can just do everything. Well, it's encrypted. It's encrypted, Luke. Yeah. He, it was encrypted <laughs> with medical encryption. So that's why they needed a medical doctor. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they've got him trying to do that. So they save him, but Antonio can tell that the doctor actually has already unencoded the drive and figured out that the files on the drive are about Jamie and her bionics. So Antonio says, well, now we've got to kill him. Like, the man we've come all this way to rescue, let's just kill him now. They're trying to play in these shades of, uh, like, Gray, if you don't know if these guys are good or bad, and I'll give this actor credit, he probably does a better job than the rest of them in terms of giving that ambiguity. But it just, it's just, it's so dumb and, like, I don't even know who this character is. And I'm supposed to be like, like, at least give me someone to root for, you know? Yeah. Jamie's like, no, we're not killing him. Even if he knows about my bionics or whatever. So she leaves Antonio behind, takes the doctor. There's like a, some more wire work jumping escapes from terrorists and stuff. But essentially like she gets the doctor out of the terrorist den do you love how they exit because they exit the way they came in through the through the fan well that was my point and this is a stupid nitpicky point but she broke the fan on the way in and then she just bends the fan back and it like starts working again so the bad guys can't get through it i was like what (laughs) i I laughed at that too i'm like oh uh, the problem with the fan was it was bent (laughs) yeah and it's also like they don't have a control for that fan that's the only way out like come on guys and as they left because i like you know she's mad at antonio so she grabs the doctor they leave and what we see now is she has left Antonio Pope with like thousands of terrorists who have been shooting at her as she escapes. And there's, I was like, so you just left Antonio to be beheaded by the terrorists. And like a scene later, he, I guess he just walked out on his own accord. Jamie what? hasn't done one plan so far or one mission where she hasn't messed it up so far, but not even like a sort of like, it's funny because she's just learning sort of thing. It's just like, you just watch you're like oh she sucks don't put her in the plan like she literally is out with a partner and turns on them immediately well i mean part of that too is her partner just didn't tell her what the plan was still and i don't know how did antonio get out of there it doesn't make any sense there's a problem earlier on when uh they're in a room and they beat up like five of the terrorists and they're like shooting their guns and stuff and none of the other eight thousand terrorists come into the room but i was like all right <laughs> that's true it is crazy it's just like they don't care about any plot holes anyway as apparently as Jamie was escaping, she got shot by a bullet. So her and the doctor break into a pharmacy so he can get the bullet out. And yeah. the doctor can to explain to her that according to the documents he saw on the flash drive, the anthrocytes or the nanobots that keep her body from rejecting the bionics in her will fail in five years and then she's going to die. So she's going to die in five years or something. Yeah. More importantly, I would like to make the plea to all television writers to stop having a scene where someone has to take a bullet out of someone else. Please, we've seen it. It's done. I've seen it 8 million times. I don't want to see it anymore. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah, so I guess now there's this new subplot, which I I guess they probably were seeing this whole time, but like, anthrocytes expire, you die. Now Jamie knows the truth, I guess. Uh, this is where Antonio shows up at the pharmacy because like, I don't know. I have no idea how he found her. He just just shows up exactly where she is, even though we just learned she can turn off her GPS. He's somehow not been killed by those terrorists. 
Jamie's just like, Doctor, hide in here while I deal with my partner, Antonio Pope. The two of them have a fist fight. Jamie knocks him out. She goes back to get the doctor. And the doctors run off because, I don't know, he's evil, maybe. Who knows? You missed one important thing. She used her bionics to uh, uh, figure out what the code was on a locked door. Oh, that's true. That's right. They broke into a place and it had a, a security alarm. And she looked at it real hard. She's like, 2717, turn off the <laughs> alarm. No, but they, 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 yeah, they see four numbers and the guy's like, there's like 9,000 possibles. And he goes, you know, statistically, it's probably just the number backwards. And they try it and he's like, yep. <laughs> I was like, is it statistically? All right, sure. We'll go to this now. I was gonna, I was gonna save this for later, but let's just do this really quickly now. There's this idea that this Jonas character, or not Jonas, sorry, um, this doctor character who they've rescued, he's some sort of CIA genius, and they like he's able to figure out a number sequence really quickly in his head. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole sequence where he has a conversation with her about how many different words you can make out of the name of that beverage, YooHoo. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I know what you're going to say. I actually tuned out during this because I was like, there's no point to any of this. I'm not even listening. So I well, wasn't listening. I wasn't listening either. But they go on about that for a while. He literally drinks a YooHoo on camera. <laughs> In the credits, there's a big credit saying, thanks to YooHoo for letting us use your product. So there was product placement for the beverage YooHoo heavily featured in this episode for no reason well it felt like they wrote it in because yoohoo called them and said hey would you put some yoohoo in the episode i heard you're doing a show about a bionic woman uh who works for a secret agency who solves terrorist problems i think that's a good partnership with yoohoo i know i I felt the same as you like i literally did tune out all that stuff i wasn't even going to talk about it until the credit came up (laughs) again where i was just like oh this was all product placement i really hope there's some more really bad product placement she's just like this type of cheese is great. And you're like, wait a minute, craft cheese? The only way to solve this mystery is with Smarties. <laughs> That's a Canadian reference. No one else has Smarties. <laughs> um, anyway, cut back to Wolf Creek. Jamie is mad at Jonas for not mentioning she's going to die in five years. And Jonas promises her he'll fix it somehow. <laughs> the end. Yep. It's not, I can't send you on missions anymore. You've been grounded for all intents and purposes because you left your partner with terrorists. He's just like, yep. Well, there we are. Uh, Jonas is even mad at her. He's more mad at Antonio for risking the life of his $50 million bionic woman. Uh, yep. Nobody, everyone's mad at everybody for different reasons. It doesn't make any sense. But everything's resolved. But you're right. There's a um, desperation on this show to tie up all loose ends, even though it's, it's. I would say it's about 50% serialized. And they just, but they just like, well, we don't want anything left over that you could use for serialization other than Sarah keeps showing up and being like, do you love me? I mean, yeah, that's it. I don't know. Any final notes on these episodes? Uh, There's one weird motivation for Jamie that I didn't understand. Earlier on, I think at the second episode, which is really the end of the pilot, that because she had superpowers, I think they were implying that she felt she was obligated, sort of like the Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, but they don't really do that at all. So I guess my point was like, why? Why does she feel that she needs to do it? Like, why not just go be a, an awesome professional athlete with that one leg, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that just dates back. That's like a holdover from when she stopped that woman from jumping off a building. And that was all it took to make her join Wolf Creek. I think it's just they're stretching for motivations why she would stick around with this organization who's A, badly run, B, lying to her all the time, and C, has a creepy tech who keeps sexually harassing her at the office place. Uh, yeah. like, why does she keep coming in? she's obligated yeah that, i mean that's my point it's like i don't know why but here we are uh fun fact for you though jordan 
one of these episodes was also directed by a threshold director. So I think we're seeing a lot of crossover <laughs> between the two shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we get into ratings? Yeah, let's do it. Um, the first episode, Sisterhood. I feel like this episode is sort of a convoluted, impenetrable mess full of just wooden expository dialogue. And I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10. I hated it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a 2 out of 10 as well. Like, it's the show's a mess. Like, it was just constantly dragging out... When are Jamie and Sarah going to have this conversation? Let's give them three opportunities to not quite get to it. Uh, and then have a mission of the week that you could have edited out without blinking. Two. Two out of ten. And face off. Weirdly, I'm going to give this one a three and a half out of ten. And I don't think it's a good episode and it's not much better than the other one. However, for this show, just this show itself, this is, I think, the most cohesive of all all the episodes we've seen so far and and it's not cohesive so like don't get me wrong it's not a good episode but for the show they're trying to do they at least try to tie in the two plot lines even though i don't think it works and they try to have her go on a mission even though i don't think it works i just thought of all the episodes this made the most logical sense and that's saying a lot because it doesn't make much sense Wow, I feel the opposite. I mean, I agree with what you're saying about them trying to tie the plots together and maybe it feels more like an episode. I just can't get over the Sarah Corvus subplot that like, listen, there was so little foundation that they were holding on to. And one of it was like how Sarah Corvus fits into the show. And by catching her so easily and then dragging her in, like that whole thing just it burnt all the continuity that they've attempted to build that was left. And they had barely any as it was. I, I, I was just like, this show is terrible. I, I give it a one. <laughs> I love it. I love when we go low. This is not, in some ways, not the worst show we've seen because I don't know but, if I but agree. I was, well, I was going to say, in some ways it's not, but in a lot of ways, it really is one of the worst shows we've seen. And I and I don't know if we've quite got the exact, really narrowed down exactly what it is, but like nothing is working. Nothing's working on the show. I feel more and more that I watch it and I could be wrong. I to me feels like the show was rushed desperately into production because none of these plots feel like they're they all feel like first drafts of an idea. Agreed. That went to camera because they had to move this quickly because they're constantly having to go back and fix or retcon every episode. They're retconning something from a previous episode, and it just feels like they were just forced to move forward. Not even just too quickly, like instantaneously. So someone had enough time to pound out a draft of a basic concept and it never got a second draft it does feel like everyone involved from the people writing it to directing it to the actors trying to deliver this wooden dialogue they all know this is a lost cause like it's just Uh, like yeah it just that's what it feels like you're like oh this is a show where no one thought it was going forward but they just had to go through the motions it does yeah i feel the same way too i'm just like there's no way anybody working on this couldn't see the writing on the wall as they were receiving these scripts because it, it it just it's not it, none of it's working and it's so clearly not working it's still crazy to me that this even they bothered putting it on tv yeah yeah but we have more episodes <laughs> it, they, they can't get worse right they can't possibly get worse i don't think they can get better though <laughs> well we're, we're so low in how, how bad they are right now you have to be optimistic you have to think maybe maybe something's going to turn around you know <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how they could turn it around. And the only thing I can imagine is there's like one episode starts. It's a totally new cast. It's a completely different pilot. And they're just like pretending like it never happened. What it is is, is Wolf Creek is sold to a different corporation. 
who changes what the organization does and now it's just like a sitcom about robots <laughs> all the actors die at the end of an episode next episode yeah. is a totally new show yeah exactly that's it you never know it could happen all right well that wraps it up for this episode if you want to email us a us here at the podcast you can do so at continuum drag at gmail.com and on instagram and twitter we will have some clips of uh bionic stuff being bionic and uh, <laughs> i i know actually there's two there's two clips i've cut because there were two jokes about canada in that first episode and i just cut them both out because i was just like it's always funny when you see people making fun of canada yeah poor canada oh canada And once again, this week, we are doing a promo swap with the Short and Spooky podcast that watches horror anthologies from the 80s and 90s. So stick around to the end of the show. Just after the credits, you'll hear a promo from the host telling you all about it. Uh, That wraps it up for the episode. So listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. See you then. Hey, do you remember when he called her a bionic babe? I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes. Hey, Tommy. Hey, John. Uh, do you like listening to podcasts? I love it. Uh, do you like watching spooky stuff? Oh, great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, are you still obsessed with the 80s and 90s? I Yeah, to this day. Cool. So am I. Uh, if you are, then you'll probably like our podcast called Short and Spooky. What's it about? It's all about anthology shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark, Tales from the Crypt, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. What's an anthology show mean? Uh, it's like a standalone, so you don't have to keep up with any plots or characters or anything. So you can just tune in. Say you're a new listener, you can just tune into an episode and not have to worry about missing out on something you didn't hear before. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. Check it out.